All right. Good morning, Dorisville family. How are you guys doing? Are you glad? You know, by the way, you're the fuller side this time. Often it's over here. So y'all did a good job. Let's give this side a round of applause. Yeah. Why didn't y'all clap? Y'all hardly clap over here. Hey, are you really glad to be here? Isn't it good? And you know, bro, you're right. Christmas is like, like coming upon us so quickly. As you're lighting the candles, I said, man, only two left. And one's going to be Christmas Eve. And uh, so, yeah, it's coming real quickly. Well, listen, I'm excited about the message today. We're in the, like, the third message of our, our Advent series. And the sermon title today is Christmas Wonder and Christmas Worship. And when I thought of that, that idea, that concept, I really didn't have the tie-in. I wish I could explain to you how cool it is, you know, as God speaks to my heart about the messages. And sometimes it's like, like, like this morning, you know, that he's still speaking in my heart and saying, write this down and write this down. I know that sounds far-fetched to you, maybe, but trust me, it's true. And so, anyway, I was thinking about Christmas worship and Christmas wonder, and bam, this morning it came to me, and here's what it is. You know, wonder paves the way for worship. Wonder paves the way for worship. Or the more wonder-filled we are, the more worship-filled we are. Or the more wonderful we are, the more worshipful we are. And God sets the path and the ways to help us be filled with his wonder, especially when times when we need it in the case of Mary. And Elizabeth. I want to tell you a story, and you'll have to trust me, it's true. I've got a witness, my wife was there. It was a long time ago, probably, oh, my fourth year into ministry. And we had one of those meetings, and it just did, it was not a good meeting. Um, I left very discouraged that night. I remember very clearly, unfortunately. And I got home, and I was just down. I was out. Um, I was doubting me. Um, I was doubting, did I really hear God speak when he said, go to Dorisville? And uh, frankly, I began to doubt God that very night. I'm saying, God, are you there? Are you real? And what's going on? It's pretty bad. Well, I got home, and my wife said, hey, let's take a walk. You know, walk it out. So we went down the alley and turned left on Church Street. Remember it very clearly. Walked down that way all the way to Main Street, Brent. And we turned left on Main Street. And we're standing there at the corner on the side of the street opposite the theater. So if you kind of get in your mind's eye where that is, we're waiting across the street. And about that time an old beat-up pickup truck shows up. And they pull up to, right next to us, and the window was down. There were three men in the front seat, large men. Not large as in large, large as in muscular. And closest to me was an African-American gentleman. I remember distinctly his arm was, elbow was hanging out the window, and boy, it seemed like his bicep was that big. And so because he had a loud muffler, when he pulled up next to me, I looked at him, and he said something like, and these are not exact quotes, but the, trust me, it's very close. He said, hey, how you doing, man? And I said, I have definitely seen better days. And here's what he said. Well, you need to know something. God loves you, and he believes in you. And then they drove off. Just like that. The light turned green, they drove off. I looked at Judy, and I said, did that just happen? Did I just hear what I think I heard? And I did. Now, I'm going to what I think, and that's okay. You know, this is what I think, and this is what I know in my heart. God sent three angels that night. That afternoon, it was late. Well, actually, it was night. And God sent an angel to me with a word of encouragement. And the wonder of that helped me return to worship. Wonder paves the way 
for worship. And that's what the whole message is about today. Um, Elizabeth doesn't get much press in the Christmas story. Um, It really isn't her story. But the role that she plays in our scripture today is amazing. And look at me very carefully. It really should encourage us in the same way in our lives to be an Elizabeth to someone who needs a word of encouragement. Just like God sent someone to me that day, I believe in the form of an angelic being speaking something I needed to hear. So God wants to use us to speak in the lives of others. So our scripture begins in Luke chapter 1, as Brother Brent read. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And the setup is, what well, he gives us the setup. It says a few days later. So, so the angel appears to Mary, okay, and, and she is chosen to be the mother of the Christ child, all right, and through that process. So just a few days later, Luke says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. Now, let, let me kind of set that up for you. Um, I'll give you another number in a while, but the town is Hebron, and it's about 80 miles from Nazareth. So it wasn't like Mary, it wasn't like Mary went out the front gate, said, Mom, see you later, go out the front gate, walk two blocks to Elizabeth's house, and, and she's there. Probably in a caravan, probably not by herself, that would be very unusual, but she somehow gets to, travels these 80 miles all the way to Hebron to Elizabeth's house. So, so that's the setup for that. But, but look what it says. Um, she hurried. Why, why was she, what was the hurry? Well, she's not running from as much as she's running to. She's not running from as much as she's running to. You see, in just a matter of months, weeks, her life is going to change dramatically. She stays with Elizabeth for about three months. And as you know, when a woman has been pregnant for three months, things change and, and there's evidence. I remember, I love the story of the nativity. Um, and, and, and again, that movie, she goes to Elizabeth's house. But when she returns, she obviously is pregnant. And she's sitting down in the back of a cart and the, the dress, the gown is pulled tight around her stomach. And it's very obvious. And, and Mary's mother runs out to her and says, oh, Mary, you're home. And then she looks down. And very obviously, Mary is pregnant. So, so in just a little while, her hometown of Nazareth is going to be a hornet's nest. It's going to be the epicenter of her life changing dramatically. Um, I read a devotional this morning or last night just kind of researching this, you know, and the lady was speaking about, oh, there was no scorn and there was no judgment because it was all done secret. You don't hide this. You don't hide this. So when she got, when she's going to get back to Nazareth in three months, she's going to be very pregnant, three months pregnant, okay? It's going to be showing she's a betrothed to Joseph, but not married. So there's been no sexual relations between them. So either Joseph had broke his vow or someone else has, and Mary was unfaithful. Regardless of that, scorn, judgment, and gossip are going to be the things of the day. So she hurries away, not running from that because it's not happening yet, but she's running to an oasis. She's going to a place where she will find no judgment and no gossip. And that place happens to be the house of of Elizabeth. I I stumbled upon a paraphrase of Psalm 23.2, which describes that word oasis so well. In Psalm 23.2, and again, this is a... Uh, This is a 
paraphrase, it's not a translation. The woman wrote and said this, He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious, luxurious love. Um, can you imagine, can you fathom the lavishness of God's love? Can, can you imagine the unconditional love of God? I mean, what I'm saying is, there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Nothing. Nothing. Can you imagine how unlimited God's love? Hey, are, you, are you grabbing this? Because you're going to need it. If, if you haven't needed it yet, you're going to need it in the future somewhere. That when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Almighty God becomes your Heavenly Father, okay, you are a, a product, a recipient of this lavish, unconditional, unlimited love. And nothing you will ever do, nothing you will ever do will change that lavish, that unconditional, and that unlimited love. So, so the psalm says, He offers a resting place for me in His luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. Let me read it again. It takes me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. You know, ultimately, what was true for Mary is true for us. And that is the fact that, that God is our oasis. It is God who is our source of peace. It's God who is our source of bliss. Again, assuming we have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But sometimes we need flesh and bones. I'll never forget the story of Trenton. You know, Trenton was a little bit discouraged and he was young. And he said, Dad, sometimes you just need flesh and bones. And sometimes... We need flesh and bones. And Mary had the oasis of God, but God in his wisdom knew that she needed something else. She needed some flesh and bones. And that is what Elizabeth, Elizabeth became for Mary. Those flesh and bones, those encouragement, that oasis that she would need. Well, continues in verse number 40. The Bible says, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Now, this is where the wonder part comes in. Remember, Christmas wonder Christmas worship. This is the wonder. You need to understand, if you've got the worship app open, type it in. If you've got pencil and paper, write it down. You've got to remember, Elizabeth was clueless. It wasn't like an angel appeared to Elizabeth and said, Elizabeth, you need to know that Mary's going to come. And oh, by the way, she's carrying the Savior of the world in her womb. And you kind of need to be an encouragement to her. Uh -huh. She was clueless. She had no idea. Now, now Mary had been told by the angel that Elizabeth was pregnant, and it was the sixth month, and she was well past childbearing age, and she was able to become pregnant by the power of God. So, so Mary knows all about that. Elizabeth is clueless. So she walks into Elizabeth's house, the Bible says, and gives her a greeting. But she knew nothing. And God turns around and uses her in a miraculous way to encourage Mary. I'm telling you, God wants to do the same thing with you. In a world of discouragement, in a world of pain, in a world of suffering, God wants to use us to be the messenger of hope. Well, Mary goes in, makes this greeting, and the Bible says in verse 41, at the sound of Mary's greetings, whatever she said, Elizabeth's child, who, by the way, was John the Baptist, 
Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so the setup is, is that God equips, prepares Elizabeth for this mission that she has, okay? And he uses a leap of a baby, okay, and a filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's cool. Here's what's cool. Again, Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner, okay, of Jesus Christ, preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Bible says about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. He, John the Baptist, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Even before his birth. So in the womb, the Bible says that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as Brent mentioned, you know, this just so affirms and concretes the idea that life begins in the womb. You know, later on we're going to hear where the baby jumps for joy, as Elizabeth says. And here we see that even before the baby was born in the womb, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have a child in the womb filled with the Holy Spirit. But then it goes on and says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit also. Uh, The word filled means to be um, yielded and surrendered to and empowered by. Okay, so Elizabeth, at this moment, John the Baptist in the womb is filled with the Spirit, and now Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit as she yields to him, as she surrenders to him, as as she is empowered by him. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse number 18, it said, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine, especially where it's in excess. But rather be filled with the Spirit. Just like, just you know, what, what Paul is saying, just like alcohol controls the body, controls the mind, Don't do that, but rather let the Holy Spirit control your mind, control who you are, okay? So so the setup is Mary walks in. When when Mary says her greeting, the baby's already filled, and the baby in her womb, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps, and then then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. God is going to use these, okay, to encourage and speak to Mary, all right? Now, here we go. Look at at it. Oh, well, well, we've got to pause. I wrote pause. So I've got to pause because it's really important. You know, Mary is worthy of our admiration, but not our worship. Because what we're about to hear about Mary is just incredibly wonderful, okay? But you need to understand that Mary is worthy of our admiration, but not our worship, okay? In some religions, particularly like the Catholic Church, um, Mary has been elevated to the status of God. They believe that she was sinless like Jesus was sinless, um, that she, of course, had the perpetual virginity. But she is worshipped. If you go to a Catholic service, and the, all the things they do worship and point to Mary. But Mary's not worthy of our worship because Mary was human. Mary was human. It's very important. I know you say, well, what, why, why are you picking on Catholic? I'm not. I'm just telling you, it's very, very important. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 10 that really points to this. Big story. Don't have time for all of that. But the bottom line is, you know, God speaks to a Gentile and says, I want you to send for this guy named Peter and bring him to your house. So he does. Peter, at the same time, gets a message from God saying, hey, there's going to be a Gentile come. Don't be afraid to go to his house. So sure enough, that's what happens. So when, when Peter shows up, this guy's name is Cornelius. When he shows up at Cornelius' house, okay, instantly this Gentile Roman officer falls down and begins to worship at the feet of Peter, worship Peter. Here's what it says in verse 25 and 26. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell to his feet and worshiped him, and worshiped him. But 
The Bible says in verse 26, Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human just like you are. And we need to understand that one, Mary was human just like we are human. Okay? Secondly, Mary would be appalled. Mary would be appalled at the worship of her as equal with God. That's so far from what the true Mary was like. In fact, she calls herself a lowly servant girl. All right, so so Mary comes in. Okay, Elizabeth comes in. Mary comes in. And here's what it says in verse 42. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. We don't know what she said. You know, it's probably shoot that thing. You know, I don't know. It could have been shoot that thing. I don't know. Okay, but notice what's not there. It's a glad cry. It's not, girl, what have you done? What have you done now? See, when people are filled with the Spirit, those kind of utterances don't come. See, the Bible says she gave a glad cry. And listen to what she exclaimed. Here's what she said to Mary. God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now, keep in mind, she didn't know Mary was pregnant. God is revealing this to her because she's Spirit-filled, and God is speaking to her, and she's listening. Blessed are you among women. You know why it's so important? Not quite yet, but she was going to need this. When, when she shows back up, when she leaves Hebron and goes back to Nazareth, okay, and then people see that she's pregnant, they're going to call her anything but blessed. Those will not be the words that this group will use. Mom and dad... They're not going to understand. Initially, even Joseph doesn't understand. Certainly, the community didn't understand. Some of them would be willing and ready to pick up rocks and stone her. She was going to need these words of encouragement. And isn't it amazing? Is it amazing to anybody besides me that God gave Elizabeth the, just the right word to say? You are blessed. No, listen, listen. No matter what the crowd's going to say, no matter what your mom and daddy are going to say, no, no matter what your neighbor's going to say, you are blessed among women. God will give us the right words to say to encourage someone. There's a great scripture over in Proverbs 25, 11. It says this, A word fitly spoken, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like apples of of gold in a setting of silver. Can I ask you a question? What kind of apples you got? What, what comes out of your mouth? Are the words you speak like apples of gold or rotten apples? Do the words you speak, is it fit, a fitting word or a hurting, damaging word? You know, Paul wrote something very strong in Ephesians 4.29. Again, if you're taking notes, would you write that reference down? Ephesians 4.29, let no, somebody say no. no. Yeah, uh, zero, that would be a zero, okay? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Let nothing unwholesome proceed from your mouth. Dwayne, does that include my husband and my wife? Uh, definitely, okay? Does it include your kids? Yeah. Does it include your coworker, your boss? Absolutely. Does it include the person you worship with every week? Absolutely. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only, but only such a word as is good for edification. That's good for building someone up. That's encouraging someone. 
according, I love this, according to the need of the moment. In other words, you know, a fitly spoken word is a word that's spoken just when it seems appropriate. You know, you know not, not just thrown out of your mouth. You know, when Peter was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was funny. You know, they fell asleep and they wake up and there's Moses and Elijah and Jesus and they're transfigured and they're glowing like, like you know, gold and stuff. And, and, and Peter goes, oh, 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 Lord, let's build some tents. He didn't know what to say, so he said whatever came out of his mouth. Let's be speakers of fitly spoken words that are wholesome and encouraging, particularly for the need of the moment, so that so that it will give grace to those who hear. Oh, Elizabeth did that so well. Ma- Mary needed to hear, blessed are you among women, and so is the baby uh, that you're carrying. Let's be those kind of folks. What, what does a blessing sound like? Let me just read three to you real quick. And The Bible's full of blessings. Listen to this. Numbers 6, 24 and 25. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. What a beautiful blessing. And sometimes just words of encouragement. Like in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. And sometimes it's like Jude chapter 1 verse 2. May God give you, may God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Encouraging. Be an encouraging person, especially in these days. Especially in these days, be the one who speaks a positive word and not a negative word. Well, all right. So in verse 43 and 44, here's what Elizabeth says. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord shall visit me? And you see how that confirms what Mary had heard? Mary had been told by the angel that you're going to conceive and and the child is going to be the savior of the world, okay? And here comes Elizabeth along and says, the mother of my Lord should visit me. Not just, Mary, why are you visiting me? But Mary, the mother of my Lord, I'm so honored that you are visiting me. You know, something... Something just spoke to my heart. I mean, like right before um, I came to preach this this morning. It was so good. You know, Elizabeth didn't see Mary as a liability, but an asset. You, you know how it is. Especially if you go to school. You know, Taylor, you go to school. If you're friends with certain people and they're a goat, then you become a goat. Oh, you don't be friends with that person. They're unpopular. Let's face it, here's a, here's a girl that, that her morality is going to be called into question. I'm telling you, the community was filled with scuttlebutt. It was going to be that way. It was going to happen. And knowing and associating with Mary could well be. Joseph, oh my goodness, Joseph knew this. When, when Joseph finally said, you know, the angel appeared to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take her to be your wife. Oh my gosh. You know, taking Mary at that point could really be a liability, Brent. But Joseph didn't see it that way, and Elizabeth didn't see it that way. Mary was not a liability. She was an asset. I am so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby, John the Baptist, left in my womb with what? With joy, an emotional expression while still in the womb. So Mary is encouraging, and, and then Elizabeth is also encouraging. See, Mary, Elizabeth's personal experience, she was pregnant miraculously. 
They were both well past childbearing ages. Her womb was dead. And yet, she became pregnant. So her personal experience speaks into the life of Mary in a positive, positive way. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leaped, jumped for joy. See, Elizabeth could bless Mary because Elizabeth had been blessed. Hurt people hurt people, but blessed people bless people. Hurt people hurt people, but blessed people bless people. Verse 45. You are blessed, Elizabeth said, because, and this is so important, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. See the role of faith there? Mary, you're not blessed because you're a rock star. You're not blessed because you've got something on Jane down the street. You are blessed because God spoke to you and you believed he was going to do what he said he was going to do. See, faith is huge. Faith is huge. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, you know, without faith, you remember what it says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mary could have been the best virgin in town. But that's not what set her apart. What set her apart was she was willing to believe God. She exercised faith. Remember what the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not a works lest any man should boast. So Elizabeth confirms in Mary's heart and says, You are a woman of faith. And God will honor that faith. And we are a people of faith. Amen? It wasn't just confined to, to Elizabeth. We are people of faith. So we need to go out into our community and share the fact that we are people of faith. That we believe that God, that God can do what he said he can do. In other words, that guy that writes that blog five days a week, and in the end he says, you know, he's got this. It's believing that God's got this. Believing by acting that God's got this. That God can do this. That God is faithful. That God would see us through. Don't, don't buy into the lies and the negativity. Of course the news is negative. They don't have Jesus. But we do. But we do. But we do. St. Augustine said, Faith is to believe what you do not see. That lines up with Hebrews. Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. To see what you believe. That's the reward of biblical, godly faith. Well, so the way is paved. From the moment, from the get-go that Elizabeth and Mary meet, Elizabeth's just showering her with affirmation, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is a beacon of light, a beacon of hope, a beacon of affirmation. And remember, wonder paves the way for worship. So then let's see, what do you think Mary's response is going to be to all this affirmation. She's going to worship God. She's going to worship God. Look at verse number 46 and 47. Mary responded. How did Mary respond to all this affirmation, this wonder from Elizabeth? Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Did you notice something? She didn't go, Woohoo, I'm a rock star. Make statues of me. All she said was, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
Wonder paves the way for worship. It was no, should be no surprise to us that Mary breaks out in worship because she's been so affirmed by God using Elizabeth. Using Elizabeth, okay? Now, the proper, this is proper. The proper response for honor is to honor the one who is God, okay? So, so it's natural that Mary, when she's honored, turns to Christ, who turns to God, and honors him. That should be our response. We tend to get a little puffy, and I'm not talking about extra pecan pie at Christmas. We tend to get just a little bit puffy. You know, again, I think I said this last week, the longer we are saved, the more we do and the more money we give, we get fatter and fatter and fatter. We forget that it's all about God. Everything we have, everything we own, every title we have attached to our name, every degree that we have earned, it's all God. It's all God. We have no reason to get puffy. Live in a big house, don't get puffy. Drive a fancy car, don't get puffy. Give a lot of money to church. Don't get puffy. It's all God. Oh, my soul magnifies. My soul magnifies. The proper response is that. Here's how Isaiah said it in Isaiah 25.1. Oh, Lord, I will honor and praise your name. For you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. What a beautiful doxology of our lives. Well, Mary continues in verse number 48. For he took, now watch, 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 watch. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. Isn't it amazing? You know, when we sit there and we talk about Mary, what's, what's Mary's take on Mary? Lowly servant girl. What's Mary's take on Mary? Lowly servant girl. Listen, if you ever feel unworthy, if you ever feel like, who am I? Okay? I, I mentioned this last week also. You got to keep in mind what the Bible's all about, who the Bible's all about. Have you read your Bible recently? Okay? Listen, listen to listen to this roll call. Moses stuttered. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair and had someone killed. Abraham was too old. Peter was afraid of death. And Lazarus, well, he was dead. Uh, Paul was a murderer, and so was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. Martha was a worry wart, and Noah got drunk. You're in good company. Don't let Satan convince you that you're somehow, quote, not worthy. Well, of your own, you're not worthy. But trust me, Jesus Christ made you worthy by his love and his grace. You are worthy by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this quote. I can't give credit because I don't know who said it. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God can take us and use us for his honor and glory. And then he says, she says in verse 49, For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. That's her response. The mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. But here's what we don't understand in Western culture. Some of us have bought into the prosperity gospel idea that somebody told you if you just trust Jesus, everything goes according to plan. You never get sick. You never lose your job. You get the nicest house with the nicest car. Your kids get scholarships, and they don't need an orthodontist. Okay? That's kind of how we buy into it. 
But that's not true. Have you ever thought about Mary? You know, the one who just said, for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. Well, let me tell you the great things he did for her. Um, she is going back to her village and is going to be scorned, judged, and gossiped about. That's the great thing. Um, she's going to carry this baby for nine months. About eight months and a week, the decree is going to come down and she's going to travel, get ready, 90 miles. Ladies, I've, you know I don't know, by the time you're about eight and a half months pregnant, you're ready to get this thing over with. And the last thing you want to do is travel 90 miles on the back of a donkey. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, I mean, who wants that? Okay, well, that's the great things. That's the great things. I mean, come on. Couldn't God have arranged it so that she gave birth in Nazareth at least? No. And you know the story really well. But when she got to, to Bethlehem, there was no inn. There was no room. She gives birth in a, in a cattle stall, a cave with straw and manure on the floor. And she lays her brand new baby in a stone feeding trough. Not even as nice as the wood ones that Western cultures assigned. That's the great things God had done for her. And this, just a little bit down the road, just a little bit down the road, you know, Angel shows up again and says, Oh, oh y'all got to get out of here. And they flee to Egypt in the middle of the night. And they stay there, and it's a long time before they even make it back to Nazareth. That's the great things that God has done for her. Oh, and when her son is 33 years old, he's nailed to a Roman cross like that. But Mary, and she did she know all that? No, not all of it. But she could still say, For the whole, mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Remember this. No matter if you get the COVID, no matter if you're quarantined for Christmas, um, no matter if you've lost your job, no matter if you're sick, no matter if you're critically ill, if you are a Jesus follower, burn into your heart now that he has done great things for you. David said it about three weeks ago, and I'd said it before that a while back, that if all he ever gave us was salvation through a Roman cross and faith in his son, Jesus Christ, it was enough. Amen? It's enough. It's enough. Well, let's move on down to Luke 150. He, ha- he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things from generation to generation. See, this generation was hard on Mary. This generation called her an adulteress. This, this generation called her hard. But see, the, the future overrides the present. When, when Elizabeth said, you are going to be blessed from generation to generation, you know, they'll always be called blessed from generation. All women will call you blessed. That's what she was saying. The future overrides the present. Look at me. This is not your home. If you're a Jesus follower, this is not your home. There's eight zillion billion years in a place called heaven for you to celebrate and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is not where it is. You know, I, we keep hoping for a new normalcy, the vaccines coming out, you know, new normalcy. Even when it returns to normal, <laughs> this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So, so our doxology... This Christmas, especially this Christmas, 
this Christmas, and especially this Christmas, especially this time of the year, should be Psalm 145, 3 and 4. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. See, if there's ever a time when the world needs to hear that, it's now. We need to be speaking his glorious acts. We need to speak of the faithfulness of God. We don't need to feed the lie that God's not faithful. You know, I wrote one day in one of my blogs, I said, you know, God gets a lot of bad press, and he does. So who's responsible for giving him good press? The church. The church. So let's make sure that people hear these great truths. So what's your take home today? Well, first off this, and I didn't get around to talking about it much, but this if, you know, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the creator God of the universe, you know, he wants to give that gift to you. And it comes through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus was born, lived a sinless life, and then willingly went to a cross something like this. Because the, the Bible says that the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front, and he's waiting there. If you want to come and say, hey, I want to know about this Jesus that the pastor talked about. I want to know how I can have forgiveness of sins. We would love to tell you about that today. And then three things, just words. You know, God wants to give you peace today. We have a family that goes to church here. And their loved one, unless God intervenes, is going to pass into heaven from COVID. Been on the respirator for two weeks. And the doctor said, if he's not ready, not better by tomorrow, then we'll have to make some decisions. Peace is valuable in times. Amen? Peace is valuable in times. Wisdom. How do we respond? How do we act in these days that we're living in? God wants to give you wisdom. God wants to give you contentment. To be content where we are now, not because things are necessarily good and easy, but because of Jesus. Of Jesus. So this is our decision time. If we can help you find Christ or Jesus, we would love to do that. If you want to come down to the altar and pray, it's open. We'd love to pray with you. If you want that, if you want that. But why not celebrate today? If you know Jesus, why not celebrate the fact that he is your Savior, that his wisdom, his peace, his contentment is yours. And then make a commitment to be Elizabeth, to be an encourager to someone who needs that encouragement. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you very, very, very much for the privilege of sharing this. God, I know there have been times I have not been Elizabeth. And gratefully, there are times I was. But Father, help us. One, if there's someone here who's never trusted Christ, may today be that day for them. And Father, for the rest of us who know Jesus, may we be the encouragement that this world needs today. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for being our encourager. And Jesus, we pray it in your precious name. Amen.